Blog Talk Radio. More live fantasy sports radio than anyone on the planet. Seven continuous hours of football, baseball, basketball, and hockey action each Monday through Friday. Plus seven hours of game day frenzy on Sunday. 30 shows in all from the best fantasy sportscasters in the business. Like Craig Davis of FantasyFootball.com. The Audible Cecil Lammy. Paul Greco of Melnick and Greco Fantasy Sports. And the fantasy football guys Lyle Conkiel and Kevin Moore. The Fantasy Sports Channel. Only on Blog Talk Radio. It's a schedule you can bet on. Just like the Cardinals, 10 minutes late. One bleeds red and one bleeds blue. Two friends, one heated rival. It's intense. It's no holds barred. It's game time. On Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio with your hosts, Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Scott and Mike and their versatility bring new light to many topics in and out of the world of fantasy sports. Guests can reach the show by calling 347-324-5404. Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. Let's hope they're still friends afterwards. Here they are, Scott and Mike. Work it, make it, do it, makes us harder, better, faster, stronger. That, 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 that don't kill me, can only make me stronger. I need you to hurry up, man, cause I can't wait much longer. I know what I can be right now, cause I can't get much stronger. What have I been waiting on? Mike, that's what I've been telling myself uh, for the last uh, about six days now. Uh, What a season, man. What a season. They let us down the last game, but uh, it was a fun ride. Hello, everybody. Good evening. This is uh, Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio. Your host, Scott Atkins. Still don't have my voice back from a Sunday that I wish I could do over. But... uh, uh, Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio is here uh, about uh, uh, 10 minutes late tonight. Um, we, uh, we we pride ourselves in being here for you guys. So sorry about the delay, but we are here, and we're going to talk uh, what was uh, what the, the week that was, and the Louisville Cardinals and uh, the NCAA Elite Eight. And then, uh, obviously, we're going to talk a little bit of uh, Kentucky Wildcats with all, everything you got going on uh, on there. Uh, I'm Team Legacy in the world of high-stakes fantasy football, and uh, this is uh, Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio. Every Friday night uh, at 11 p.m. Eastern, we uh, we talk uh, fantasy football, we talk college basketball, we talk the NFL. There's a lot going on. We're going to get right to it. I'm joined by my co-host, as always, my big blue co-host from Brandenburg, Kentucky, Michael Trent. Mike, was it a bear week for Louisville or Kentucky this week? Well, I'll tell you what. Scott, uh, it was uh, unfortunate that uh, Louisville played about the same game they played against Notre Dame. Uh, you know, when, when you're going into uh, what you need to have happen uh, to reach the Final Four, uh, unfortunately, Louisville played the, the exact same game they played against Notre Dame. Uh, Michigan State, uh, they were on top of the game. Uh, they knew it. They knew what was going to happen, and uh the bottom line was, uh, I don't know if it was the best team that won out, but uh, the best team on that day did, and uh, it, it's unfortunate because uh, Louisville is a uh, Louisville's a very good team, and uh, they they've proven it over and over and over again. Uh, but uh, on that day, they weren't uh, looking to the final four. I'm I'm very anxious to see how uh, Michigan State uh, how they stack up. Uh, and, North Carolina, to me, still looks like the best team. Uh, but looking forward to other things. Uh, it's going to be a, it's going to be a fun ride uh, to watch the Final Four, and I, I just don't know. In my opinion, North Carolina's the best team, but who knows what's going to happen, Scott? Well, we've got uh, we've got guests already in the chat room tonight. We apologize for the delay. Red versus Blue Sports Talk Radio didn't get started up uh, on time tonight, 
And so uh, you are listening to the rebroadcast of uh, last week's show uh, when Mike ever so faithfully held down the fort. And, uh, you know, of course, we were on location. Mike, we couldn't have been happier. We were about five rows from the court uh, as we kept going down. They, they, there was a tricky part here about this Lucas Oil Stadium, and I'll just share this with you real quick. But uh, when we were buying tickets, obviously we, we had the choices, you know, StubHub's one of the main ones, and tickets now and all this. You really have a lot of choices for tickets these days. And uh, Lucas Oil Stadium's a new venue here in Indianapolis, and they're going to be hosting the Final Four here every year or every couple of years, right? Um, and we were purchasing tickets, and so you have these this, this section cost, okay? So you, every seat in this section costs a certain amount. And so, you know, you have rows that are, uh, you know, 15 rows up, uh, and you have rows that are uh, by number and by letter, okay? So you look at row 10, Mike, for, you know, 230 bucks, and you look at row G for 230 bucks. Now, it's kind of, okay, which one do you want, row 10 or row G? And there's no distinguishing factor here. There's no precedent. You don't really know uh, which, which row to pick. Hey, Mark Ronick is in the chat room tonight, too. Mark Ronick of TheFantasySportsChannel.com. Kind of cut you off there, Scott. Uh, yeah. You, you showed me a picture uh, of you and uh, your dad and uh, Aaron, and, you know, I didn't really realize how good your seats were until I saw the game on Saturday. And I was like, holy cow, on uh, Sunday, I'm like, wow, they got great seats. Yeah. Yeah, We so we, you know, as we're going down, we yep, sure enough, one of my buddies said, look, man, the, the numbered rows are always there for the Colts games. And uh, we so we he said, they're going to probably bring in bleachers um, below the row, the numbered rows, you know, just as temporary spots, and those will probably be the letters. So I, so I went with the letters. We went with letter F or letter G or whatever it was. And so as we got into that section, there we go, right off the top, it's like row 33. I'm like, okay, that's good. we got to count all the way down to 33 rows, and then we got to go to letters. So then we get all the way down to one, and you get the letters, and it starts off at like N or, you know, R. I'm like, okay, well, we get to go all the way down. So we went all the way down. We're right behind... <laughs> Yeah, we're we're right behind um, uh, right behind the bench uh, for Arizona, and uh, you know, obviously that was just a game, man. Friday night we were we were thrilled with how the Cardinals played. They played their hearts out. Uh, myself and uh, my wife and Doctor Dish, we were all there uh, cheering on the Cardinals. And uh, man, they just gave their best game of, of the year, probably. Mike, it was like, holy cow, this is the team we came to see. This is the team we paid to see. And look out, this team is clicking on all cylinders, everybody's shooting, and even if we have a bad night by a couple of guys, we've got a lot of guys that can step up and make this happen. Well, one thing about it, Scott, when I was watching that game Friday night against Arizona, I, I was like, this is a machine. This team is a machine. They they kept doing what they needed to do uh, on all facets. They, they started out the game, and uh, they got up two, four, six. Next thing you know, eight, and then T. Will, a big three, and then uh, defense. Defense were what, I mean, it was relentless. And I'm thinking, wow, I mean, can this team play any better? Can they play any better? And, uh, you know, they just continue to move forward, and uh, they beat Arizona really bad, and uh, they moved on to the next game against Michigan State. And, you know, I, I think maybe I was thinking the same thing you were, did they put all their eggs into one basket? Did they play their best game? Who knows? Uh, but uh, regardless, a uh, very talented team, uh, a talented team that could move forward. And uh, I would say if they played Michigan State ten times, uh, can, or uh, Louisville would win eight of them. There's, there's no doubt in my mind. There's no doubt in my mind. But uh, they ran across a Michigan State team that could not miss a shot. And uh, they – they, being Louisville, could not make a shot. And one of those unfortunate things uh, for that time. See, Mike, here you are. I'm, st I'm still trying to talk about the Arizona game and how happy we were. We're celebrating. You want to automatically jump to Sunday. See, I want to I stay 
in the moment of Friday. That's where we were. We were enjoying this. I want you guys to feel this moment because we're we're blowing this team out by 20, you know, at halftime. And, and you know, no matter what they do, we are grabbing rebounds. We are dunking the ball. We are shooting threes. The extra pass was there every possession. We go down the court. That's what Patino has always said. We are not a good shooting basketball team. We are a great shooting basketball team when we pass the ball. And so every time I'm shouting extra pass, and sure enough, they're doing it, that extra pass to the open man, the extra pass to the driving guy, the extra pass underneath, and it was really making our offense click. We were clicking on all cylinders. And, well, I'm not uh, that, doing your thunder, Scott. I mean, there's no doubt about it. For 40 minutes, that was the best 40 minutes of basketball I think I've seen this year, what Louisville did to Arizona. I mean, it was yeah. outstanding. Um, it could have been the one guy, the two, the three, the four, the five. Uh, it could have been people off the bench. Uh, I mean, it was probably the best 40 minutes of basketball I've ever seen this year. Yeah, I kind of felt the same way. But, uh, you know, um, then, Mike, we've got this we've got this showboating. We've got this showboating that goes on. Sosa with the smile, then, uh, un, you know, characteristically, T-Will dancing on the sidelines. I'm, I just got this bad feeling. I'm like, you know, you guys – are, are almost acting like the fans. It's okay if we, the fans, do that because we're enjoying this, but we want you guys to act like you've been there before. And, and look, Arizona is not feeling good. They're in the tournament, and you're sending them home. So it bothered me. It bothered me that these guys that would – I know they're celebrating, they're having a good time, but it's not the championship. You, got, you, you from all teams – Last year in the Elite Eight, lost to North Carolina. You, you said in the paper and in the interviews, we want to get to the Final Four. We want to get to the Final Four. And you're celebrating in the Elite Eight. You're celebrating well, in the Sweet I, 16 to get to the Elite Eight. It bothers well, me. I understand uh, you're probably kind of frustrated right now because they lost in the game to go to the Final Four. Uh, as far as the showboat, I, I didn't consider it showboating whatsoever. I consider it being loose. Uh, T-Will doing the dance and this and that. I considered uh, him being kind of a leader, saying, hey, let's uh, stay loose. Let's stay loose and uh, let's move on to the next game. And uh, we're not, uh, you know, it's not like we're the best. Uh, I I consider it more of a uh, just keep the team loose rather than showboating. Yeah, well, and, you know, it didn't bother me that much until uh, I watched the replays. And I'm like, you know, this, this game is over in Arizona. You're sending home. So, I don't know. I, and, and being there on and, and getting that other side of it on Sunday, seeing Michigan State celebrate and smile after big plays and kind of rub it in, it hurt, you know. And, and I'm like, okay, that's how you guys made Arizona feel too, you know. So, uh, it, it, was just, uh, it was just one of those, one of those things that um, – I, I wish we would have handled differently. And, and, you know, okay, so we stayed to watch that Michigan-Kansas game. And, and like I said, when we went into Lucas Oil Stadium, Mike, there were 33,000 people there. And Freedom Hall, of course, only seats about, what, 20? Yeah. So in 33,000 people are there, I want to tell you that it's at least 24, 22, 24,000 Cardinal fans. It was a home game. Walking up to the stadium, you can go on our Facebook, you can check it out. All the pictures we have posted, there were 22,000, 24,000 Cardinal fans. There were maybe 3,000 Michigan State fans, three or 4,000, maybe three or 4,000 Kansas fans, and maybe a sprinkling handful of 500 to 1,000 maybe Arizona fans. If that, I didn't see that many. And uh, I'll tell you, it was, it was a home game. But we stayed for that Michigan State-Kansas uh, game, and we're like, look, I don't think we want to play Kansas. Uh-huh. We were like, we, we want to root for Michigan State. And so for a while there, we were like, you know, we're going to root. But we watched that game, and we were just so unimpressed with both teams, how they went down the court after what we just saw Louisville do and, and act like Arizona wasn't even on the court. We're like, man, either one of these teams, you know, okay, we'll, we'll feel good about. But Michigan State just has a way of getting you out of the play their game. And, and when they're knocking down shots, so using up all the shot clock and then hit knock down a shot with no time left when somebody in your face and that Suton, you know, Supon guy knocking down. He's seven, he's seven foot tall and he's 260 pounds. He's out there by the three point line knocking down shots. That's disheartening. And, yeah, well, uh, I'll tell you what, Scott. Uh, 
you, know, you probably were disheartening and uh, uh, kind of bored with the way Michigan State was playing, but that's their style of play. Uh, they play uh, small ball. That's what I call it in uh, college basketball, just like baseball. Uh, they do the, the little things. They rebound the basketball. They want to keep the game in the uh, 50s, 60s. And if they can do that, then they're very happy. Tom Izzo is just, I mean, he's tickled pink when he sees a game that's uh, at halftime uh, 29-25 or, or, or 30-25 to because that's the style of play that they do. And uh, it worked out for Michigan State. And I don't know if it's going to work out, uh, you know, to moving forward, but uh, they, still, uh, they still can get it done in that style of play. And they made Louisville play that style of play. Three four seven three two four five four zero four is the number. We are uh, live tonight, uh, Friday, uh, April third, two thousand nine. We are talking Louisville Cardinals and and the way the season ended for the Cardinals uh, was a heartbreaking disappointment for all of us Cardinal fans. And uh, we're joined tonight by Doctor Dish. Dish, Doctor Dish, you were live in Indianapolis with me on about five rows behind the bench, soaking it all in. And we obviously had the uh, Arizona game to celebrate on Friday. And then Sunday, Michigan State comes to town. And two minutes into the game, Patino slams his clipboard down to the ground and calls timeout. And something right there wasn't right with the team. What was what was going on in your mind as you watched that Cardinal game? Well, I know he was upset with the way things were going. He wasn't, uh, he wasn't so upset, I don't think, with the uh... – I know they was missed up. Uh, he was. They said he was mad about some blowing assignments and things. You know, wasn't. I, I know the game wasn't. wasn't nothing going what we planned. I mean, we were just kind of playing catch up the whole game. Well, we was right there with them the whole game. We just we never. Uh, I think we we just wasn't prepared for a man to man defense. That's what it looked like. You know, really. Yeah. That's the first time everybody we faced be, You know, we've been zoned so much this year by almost everybody. Right. You know, zoned like six games right in a row. We uh-huh. haven't we haven't faced a good man in a, in a while. And so they, they, were, they were in your face. They were in the guard's face. They didn't give you any chance, any room to spot up. We were really needing to play uh, Indiana ball. I mean, we needed to pick and roll, you know, and have have guys get open. And that's the only way you could have got open on them guys. They were they were they were on you the whole time. I mean, you never got a free free time to, to you could you could uh, Clark could. I mean, he was big enough to shoot over those guys, you know, from outside. But you never nothing really nothing came easy against them. No, it was. I, think, uh, I don't, it was I don't recall. A, I don't really recall one fast break either. I don't really recall one fast. No, break. there weren't there weren't turnovers. They didn't turn the ball over at all against us. I, I think that was the alarming stat. Yeah, totally ineffective. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 if, if this was a battle of the big men. If they had an inside game when they're playing man. Uh, T. Will said that that was the toughest defense he faced all year. They were put, yeah. pulling at him, tugging at him in his face, all you know, double team. They their goal was to shut T. Will down. They did a good job of that. They played man on everybody and forced us to have an inside game. And we've got two freshmen underneath, and Terrence Jennings and Smarto Samuels, and. And they weren't ready for that physical play down low. Uh, it surprised me. I mean, as much as we played in the Big East, yeah, you know, uh, but we usually shoot over, over the Big East. Samuel was usually over shoot over seven. Uh, McGee was over one. Uh, and to top that off, uh, T. Will was one for seven. So our, three of our starters, we've got a total of five points from. One was well, one. What, uh, one, not, one thing about it is, Lamb Dunk and three foul shots. The Big East primarily is uh, up and down basketball. I mean, when you look at, uh, even though Connecticut, they play pretty much an inside game, when you look at the uh, other teams, the elite teams in the Big East, it's pretty much up and down. So uh, they had to adjust to what Michigan State was doing, and they they didn't know how to do that. Yeah, I didn't see any adjustment like that. It was like they were lost. Really kind of disappointing. Yep, it's definitely disappointing. But you know, we're walking out of the game, and we're walking out of uh, Lucas Oil, and uh, you know, obviously, Cardinal fans had to drive down 65 all the way for a couple hours and sit in traffic for an hour just to get out of the the main street there. But 
I'm looking over at a guy and I said, you know, at least I don't have to drop a thousand dollars on tickets next weekend. You know, what I mean, <laughs> there is there is a there is a silver lining here, but uh, we definitely wanted the Final Four. Man, look, we missed our chance. We 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 had it in our hands. This was our best chance at the Final Four we've had in in, in as long as I can remember, and uh, we we let it we let it slip through the cracks. And I and I I just kind of you know after the game I just tell them I. I I, I went and watched the press conferences, and very little, very little press about it. You, you would think with number one seed in the tournament, yeah. you get knocked out. I think they asked Patino maybe three or four questions, and they had one question for. They've had two players there at the at the press conference. They had um, Preston Knowles and Andre McGee. Yeah, McGee did. That was it. And they didn't have. They had one question for Andre and. That was it. They, they, and the players were dismissed. I'm like, this is supposed to be a big deal, right? I mean, they lost. And so they had one question asked, and then Patino got maybe four questions. And I'm like, okay, I don't get it. I don't get it. We lost, and, and there's no questions. They were just that disappointed. Is everybody just <laughs> nobody wanted to have anything to do with the Cardinals that night? Even the press were disappointed. Everybody was stunned. And I'm saying, I'm just thinking to myself, I hope Patino doesn't take this and just decide, you know. It's it, it, we had our run and I'm done too. You know I had that feeling because all those rumors were out there. I just it was just one of those day, nights where you just want to forget and, and and hopefully they come back next year. But I'm looking at the team and I don't see who's going to lead us next year. I don't know. There's a lot of questions swirling around right now. More, I more thought that, I felt answers. that this year though. I didn't know we've. I, I thought that earlier this year. I really didn't think uh, we had enough leaders on the team. You know for the. Um, well, Jerry Smith is going to have to step up, and Somebody Samuels hit. is going to have to be a, a play like a big old, you know, sophomore, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, Andre McGee. Either, you I, know, I who's think left? You know, plans to play uh, uh, both the big boys next year. That's what he uh, read in the paper, and anyhow, uh, Jennings and Samardo at the same time. You know, um, I'm anxious to see. We got we got some good. Some good. We got four new players coming in. That's going to have to help too, you know. So I just have to wait and see. I thought. I thought all in all, it was a great season for the Cards. And uh, you know, I'll take that any year. We got to a final eight again, uh, back point. to back. So maybe. Good point. Uh, you know, it's it was a. I, I think we were just kind of dumbfounded against this team. We we didn't play well against it. We, and it's one of those. This is a situation. It's one and you're done. You know, you, if you play a bad game, you. you don't get a second chance. You know. Well, I'll tell you what, Neil, uh, you, you should be thankful and grateful for every uh, every year that you, you can go to the Elite Eight. And yeah. I know that's three for the Final Four. Uh, I'd be so heck up being the in, NIT. I mean, yeah. so, uh, I mean uh, there's, there's a lot of good things that have happened. And one thing about it, Rick Pitino will, uh, he, he will continue to stop by some players and make sure things don't regress, and they're going to continue to progress. So uh, it's just uh, it that's was one of the one of the good things about uh, from year to year. You never know some some guys mature more from their junior to senior years. You know, and the light switch yeah. just goes on. You know, uh, I'll, you might surprise be surprised next year. I'll tell you. You know, uh, I never know. And uh, but I'll tell you what the uh, you know the photo that uh, that Scott sent me. Uh huh. With the big L and uh, Aaron, and you know, it's pretty neat. It, it's pretty neat to uh, know that you guys were there and uh, having yep. a good time. Oh, I good. enjoyed myself. I know I enjoyed myself at it. You know, I would have, I would have loved to win it and be going to the Final Four. And I mean, Absolutely. one, our, our the, the lady cars did make it <laughs> to Final Four. Yeah. Well, I they're playing uh, Tuesday night, isn't it? Who? No, I, think on, I can't talk women basketball, and I don't care if we are in the Final Four. This is a, this is a show of healing, <laughs> and uh, you know, I mean, we, we had a good season. I enjoyed it, but we're not going to degrade ourselves and talk women basketball. We'll be right back. We're going to talk Kentucky and the coaching change with John Calipari. Okay.
Okay, that song basically is summing up how I feel right now. So <laughs> a little bit of anger still there, a lot of frustration. But we uh, we did have some big news in the state of Kentucky. And, uh, you know, obviously after uh, just a few short days after Gillespie was let go, you have uh, a big name step up and want the job. John Calipari, Mike, I'm going to let you roll with this. This is your story. But uh, John Calipari is the next Kentucky basketball coach. Yes, sir, Scott. It, it was uh, pretty exciting uh, when we heard the news. When uh, Gillespie was let go, it was pretty much it, it was between uh, John Calipari or uh, you know Travis Ford and some other names. But I, Travis Ford is not ready yet, in my opinion. He was not ready yet, and I was I was really hoping that uh, Kentucky would go after Calipari in a hard way. I mean, I'm not talking about the money, just a hard way saying this is our guy. Because John Calipari, first off, he has a, a little bit of arrogance that we need. Second off, he has suave kind of a move that he likes to do, and uh, that's what Kentucky needs. And uh, <laughs> Kentucky needs to get into the uh, prominence of college basketball because it's the winningest winningest team, the winningest organization in, in college basketball. So there's a way to do it, and how you do it is you've got to get the best that's available. The best that is available right now is John Calipari. They went after him, and I'm, I, I think it's a good fit. I think it's a good fit because he will recruit first off, and he's animated on the sidelines, which Kentucky fans, for whatever reason, they love that. And they're they're getting the best of both worlds because he will make things happen at the University of Kentucky. Uh, it, you know, at first I thought it was a home run. It's not a home run. It's a grand slam. It's a grand slam by getting John Calipari. Did you just say he, that he's a little cocky? <laughs> Calipari, right? Uh, yeah, come on, man. This guy's ego can't even fit in a room, all right? I mean, he... Part of the reason why he took this job was because he wanted to go head-to-head with Patino. He wants the limelight. This is a guy that, regardless of how successful his team is, he's guaranteed a team in the Elite Eight, Sweet 16, every year he's there. He's guaranteed a top recruiting class every year. Uh, He's guaranteed to roll through Conference USA every single year. And he has all the power in the world uh, at Memphis. He has everything everything you could want. The thing he doesn't have is the front page. So let's not kid ourselves. This guy is all about ego. This guy is the epitome of cocky. Sure, sure, sure. I mean, he, he's going to be that way. And uh, the one, But the one thing about it, when they were talking about, uh, when he was talking to Memphis about, Memphis asked him, what's it going to take? How much money? He said, it's Kentucky. It's Kentucky. And, he, and it sounded to me like he's going to bring in you know, those players. He he kind of said it in a backwards way. He said, you know, these are uh, I, I'm sure there's a, there's guys here that uh, you know want to follow Billy, and that's their right. You know, he's setting that up so that he looks good when these other players follow him from Memphis or follow you know and, and shred up those letters of intent and come to Kentucky. You know, it's going to happen, and, and and these guys are going to follow Calipari. They're going to just put on a different shade of blue, and I. I don't know what to think about that. I, I think, you know, you, you those guys committed to Memphis. They didn't commit to Calipari. They committed to Memphis, and they need to continue to honor that. And, you know, I'm sure Memphis will get a good coach, but, you know, the the, the fact that he's setting up to say, you know, they're going to go after these guys. I understand that. Well, he's in a backwards way saying, hey, it's okay when my these players from Memphis follow me. It's almost like a non-compete. You should have some kind of non-compete when you're – representing Memphis, that you're not going to take players that shouldn't even be allowed. And now, I, see, I totally disagree with you, Scott. I, well, of course you do. Well, I mean, you know, it is what it is. I mean, John, John Calipari, he's going to take his best, best shot at what he's going to do. And the players, uh, if they want to follow, then that's fine. If they don't, then that's fine, too. 
Well, anyway, that's the news. Uh, that's the week that was for Louisville and Kentucky. Louisville ended on a sour I'm note very, and, uh, and went home, and, and Kentucky has a new coach. I'm very freaking excited. You don't know. The Big Blue Nation is so excited uh, because this guy is going to make things happen, and we're, we're, we're tired of just dealing with guys like Gillespie. Uh, of course, me, I'm, I'm a Tubby fan, but, uh, you know, this guy is going to make things happen with Kentucky, and uh, guys better be ready. What, uh, how much, it can, I mean, how much of that, uh, that university, where does this money come from, Mike? All this university money, where does that money come from? Does that come from Brandenburg, Kentucky, taxpayer, or where does it come from? <laughs> Well, we all know better than that. Uh, no, uh, the base salary is 400000 The base salary is $400,000, and uh, the rest of the money is in incentives. That's where the $31 million or what have you comes from. Uh, there's, a, a university can only give out so much money, and it's only allocated so much money, to pay a base salary. The base salary is that. Now, incentive, that's where, that's where it comes from, to reach the uh, Elite Eight, to reach the Final Four, to reach the championship game, to uh, get this done over here in uh, community service and whatever whatever it may be. I mean, there's a lot of things that are uh, uh, plugged into the contract. It's not, it's not like it's going to get paid, boom, $10 million or $5 million or $4 million. It's all about, it's all about uh, what, he's, uh, what he's going to do. Well, we've got some, stats in the chat, got some stats in the chat room for you, Mike. Look, about $32 million, uh, the money coming from the tuition is going to go up about $10,000 per student. So... You know, if you're cool with that, just to sell your soul to the devil, then go. You know, go right ahead. But uh, you know, whoa, 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 whoa. sell your soul to the devil. That first game, Doctor Dish, is that first game in is that first game in Freedom Hall, or is that or is that in Corrupt Arena this year? Oh, oh they're pulling the plug now, Corrupt Arena. <laughs> Where did we play this year? Was it in Louisville or? I was in Freedom Hall. We get Louisville next year. We get playing Louisville next year. Okay, good. So Calipari's first first battle, uh, red versus blue, will be in Freedom Hall. Uh-huh. Okay, yeah, I read today uh, some of the uh, four or five of the players, about five of the players that uh, Gillespie had recruited have backed out on their commitments to, to go to U.K. now. Hmm. Uh, that. The John Hood, I think they still got, he still wanting to come, I think, he talked to Calipari. Or the one wow. they're wanting to get that Orton uh, big center. Yeah. What's the deal with Gillespie, though? You treated this guy like dirt. What, where, where's he going? He had no contract, they say. <laughs> well, it'd, funny if he, it'd be funny if he, he went to Memphis. No contract. None. Wouldn't it be funny if he went to Memphis? That would be that would be awesome. Yeah, it really would. I'd be a good deal for him. Huh? <laughs> He might, he might have a better he might have a better team next year. <laughs> wait a second. Now wait a second. So what you're saying, Scott, is. You would trade Gillespie for Calipari straight up. Well, I'll just uh, I'll just say it like this. <laughs> I am the smartest man alive. You <laughs> go. I think either way you go, you, you're still Kentucky. So you know it doesn't really matter. It doesn't help you either way. Three four seven three two four five four zero four. Look, we've got 16 minutes left in the show, and uh, you know we have called oh, Louisville and Kentucky. And it's been a big week for uh, you know the both teams to be in the news, but uh, we are also involved in a preseason draft, and I wanted to get your guys' take on this draft as it's unfolded. So I want to switch gears a little bit. We can always come back if you guys have some unsettled business. But uh, in this draft, uh, it's a 16-teamer. First off, a 16-teamer with uh, two points per reception for tight ends. So tight ends are a little bit. Uh, uh, more important in this league. And uh, the draft started out, uh, it's a survivor league too, so that means the bottom score each week is booted out. 
and your season is over. So you don't want to have too many from one team because if you have a bye week or something, it can really hurt your team. A lot of little strategies uh, and nuances like that. But for the most part, draft a good, solid team. And uh, the draft started out Adrian Peterson, Stephen Jackson, Maurice Jones-Drew, Larry Fitzgerald, and I'm, I'm at fifth, and I'm on the clock. So I've got a couple of options. I've got Matt Forte. I've got D'Angelo Williams, Brian Westbrook, Frank Gore, Michael Turner, Chris Johnson, Clinton Portis, Marion Barber, all these guys, Ladanian Thompson, all these guys kind of floating around. Uh, Matt Forte. And this was obviously, this was pre-Cutler news here, pre-Cutler, but uh, Mike, you're sitting on the clock. It's not a dynasty, just a redraft. So you're sitting sitting on the clock. Where would you go? Frank Gore. Frank Gore? Mm, Good pick here. Yeah, probably a safe pick there, and I and I think Gore was a consideration, uh, a, a big consideration. He didn't actually go until the 11th pick, uh, but at the fifth pick, I took Michael Turner. And in this format, I think it's important that you have carries. You don't have a down game. You don't have. You're not at the Angelo Williams where you're going to score 40 one week and then maybe 10 the next week because Jonathan Stewart was taking care of business. Um, Frank Gore is definitely it was definitely a good solid uh, choice there, but I just took Michael Turner because hey he led the league in carries last year. The team's going to get better. He's pretty proven that he can that he can uh, move the chains. Uh, Forte was a consideration too, but I only had one year to see out of him, and I didn't want to put my first pick in somebody I've only seen one year, and they had to go to him because they had nothing else going. Um, so, do you knock the Turner pick? No. That's a good pick. Okay. So the, the draft continues. You know, D-Will, LT, Forte, Chris Johnson, Westbrook, Gore, Portis. And you start off with some wide receivers. Again, Reggie Wayne, Randy Moss, Barber, Andre Johnson, Jacobs, Calvin Johnson. Witten goes as the first tight end off the board. Yeah. The 14th running back off the board is Slayton. Then it goes uh, wide receiver six and Jennings. You get Peyton Manning off the board as the first quarterback. Brandon Marshall went, uh, Tony Gonzalez, Roddy White, Steve Smith, Drew Brees, and I'm on the clock in the second round. Ready. Oh. And, uh, well, yeah, I could have went, went quarterback there. Um, but uh, I saw a couple of elite wide receivers. Oh, yeah. Colston, Bolden, and, and Owens, obviously, were the elite wide receivers at the time. Oh. oh. It's hard to go with either one of them, though, Scott. I mean... Worst Colson, I mean, he's going to be hurt again. Oh, going to be tough. Yeah, Gates is still there. Braylon Edwards, uh, Tom Brady, Marshawn Lynch, Reggie Bush. Don't even think Braylon Edwards. Yeah, there's your option. So, um, Bolden was obviously not. I took Marquez Colston uh, because it's the Saints offense. Yeah, that's uh, You know, obviously I can't predict an injury. And, you know, if he's healthy, I think he's the best best option on the board. So, went Colston there. And then it followed up Sue with Gates, Bolden, Owens, Reggie Bush, Marshawn Lynch, Braylon Edwards, then Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers went. And I'm back on the clock. Brady. Brady had already went. He had already went. Okay. Uh, so, your options at quarterback at this point, uh, Kurt Warner, Tony Romo, uh, Philip Rivers, all those guys will probably be gone by the time I pick next again. Um, so I'll be looking at, if I'm lucky, a McNabb, a Cutler, a Palmer, one of those guys. So I think I can pass on a quarterback and get one of those guys later. Okay. Yeah, you could probably get McNabb uh, a couple yeah, of that's, that's okay. Yeah, any of those guys would be okay for you. Yeah. Yeah, and this is a 16-teamer, so it's a, it, it's, it's a little deeper. Um. And so the tight ends there, you know, obviously, like I said, Dallas Clark, Gonzo, and Gates were all gone. Witten's gone. You could go Chris Cooley. You could go Owen Daniels. But maybe there's a chance, you know, I could still get a Winslow, Winslow uh, yeah. or a John Carlson, somebody like that later that I'd be happy with. So I pass on tight end. Um, and, you know, running backs, I could take Ronnie Brown, Joe Adai, Kevin Smith, you know, Ryan Grant, something like that. But my wide receivers on the board – are Dwayne Bowe, Wes Welker, Hoos Manzada, Eddie Royal, Chad Johnson. Well, 
the, 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 the question there is, Miss Weber. is Hoos Mazada going to make a splash in Seattle? That's a big if. Wes Weber, you know what you're going to get there. Especially yeah, Brady. They're going to get a ton of production. Uh, what was the other wide receivers? Dwayne Bow. Ooh. And yeah, with him and uh, Matt Castle? Yep. I don't know. It is Castle. Dwayne, I, I would put it between Dwayne Bow and Matt, or uh, Wes Welker. Yeah. I would almost lean toward Wes Welker, believe it or not. Okay, well, then finally we got one right, because that's who I went with. I felt like he was a safe option, especially with Brady back. I'm like, this guy, you know, this is the type of guy you want in a survivor format because he's always going to move the chains with five, six, seven receptions, something like that. And Dwayne Bowe has a lot of upside uh, with Matt Castle, but there's also still an unknown. How's that going to work out? Castle should be great, um, but, you know, Welker seems like a really safe play, especially with Tom Brady back in the saddle. So, yep. Went Welker, so now I'm sitting on Turner, Colston, and Welker. Feeling pretty good. I'm going to have to short my RB2, but if I've learned anything in these leagues, this is a league where you don't have to submit a starting lineup. And so the best player just plays. So if you have three or four guys in there that are getting some ball time and some carries, a la Michael Bush or, you know, guys like uh, Jarius Norwood or Brandon Jackson and Leon Washington. You never know. Those are the types of guys where you don't know when their big week's going to happen. But if you have two or three of those guys on your team and the, and you play best ball, which means the best starter plays, then, you're, you know, if you have two or three of those guys, then you're going to get a pretty good week. You're going to get a pretty good week. Those are guys that are very hard to own on a regular standard team because you never know when that big week's going to happen. So you put Michael Bush in your lineup, and he gets you zero. And then the next, so you bench him, and then the next week he gets you 20, but he's yeah. on your bench. Yeah. Those guys are hard to own, but in this yeah. format, if he has a big week, he's inserted into your starting lineup. So hmm. I'm okay with usually in these, in these leagues doing a running back by rotation for that RB2. And uh, I, I got second place in this league last year out of 16 teams, so I was down to the final. I was down to the final game. So uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna continue with that strategy. Uh, but another strategy I used last year was I wanted a good quarterback. I wanted a good quarterback. I've I've seen in this format quarterback play very important. So it comes back down to me, and uh, I'll just run the guys off that were picked after I Welker pick. It was a long way back to me, too. Dallas Clark, Kurt Warner, Dwayne Bowe, Ronnie Brown, Husmanzada, Adai Royal, Ocho Cinco, Kevin Smith, Cooley Romo, Roy Williams, Philip Rivers, Ryan Grant, Larry Johnson, Owen Daniels, Cotchery, Thomas Jones, Santonio Holmes, Donovan McNabb, Lee Evans, and Pierre Thomas. So now we're up in the fourth. The running back options around are Jonathan Stewart, Darren McFadden, Derek Ward, and Willie Parker. LT gone? Huh? LT gone? Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, he's way gone. Uh, The quarterback options, Carson Palmer, Jay Cutler, Matt Ryan, Matt Shaw, Matt Castle, Ben Roethlisberger, plenty of quarterbacks there. Yeah. Wow. Um... And, you know, really that's the position I have to go. I have to either go quarterback or running back. I'm, I'm pretty convinced at this time. I could go tight end, but Winslow's out there. Carlson's out there. I can still get maybe one of those guys, maybe Olsen in a, in a round or two, so I pass on that. And I say, look, I've got to either take my running back here or grab my quarterback. I well, still have this philosophy in the back of my mind. I'm sorry? I said, what do you think about Carson Palmer uh, having a breakout year again? I mean, he might. He might, he's healthy. They say he's healthy. I mean, he's, he's saying that himself. I mean, he could be. He, he's probably one of the healthy, healthiest quarterbacks. And uh, I don't know. Who, I mean, Chad Johnson's still there, and uh, they they still got some guys that. Uh, Cincinnati didn't do nothing okay. last year, though. Well, they didn't do anything because Carson Palmer didn't. He Did played play, like three right. games. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. I'm just I'm just throwing away last year uh, with Carson Palmer. Yeah, I expected a better. I hated him last year. I know, but I. Um, yeah, well, Mike, I went like you said. Uh, I went Carson Palmer because this guy, in the three years that he has started in the league, he placed uh, eighth, fourth, and first 
in in fantasy points. Uh, 4,000 yards, 26 touchdowns. This is a guy that uh, that's the kind of numbers you're going to get from him. And when you look at, you know, for example, when you, when you look at a player like Matt Castle, you know, which is obviously a consideration or somebody to compare it to, he had a great year last year in New England and passed for 3,500 yards and 21 touchdowns. Okay? That's a great year. Palmer... He's going to throw for 4,026. You can just kind of book it. He is a top three, top five type guy when he's healthy. And so I don't think you can predict an injury for Carson Palmer. I don't think there's any reason. He's already declared himself 100% with that elbow. So Carson Palmer was the pick there. I went ahead and took Palmer. I thought it was value. Cutler was a consideration, but, you know, too many question marks. Didn't know where he was going to end up. I said, you know what, let's just go Palmer. So – that's where we were. Uh, fifth round comes around. I'm only, I've only got five guys. I'm in round six. I'm going to need your help with my sixth-round pick here. Fifth round comes around, and the wide receivers on the board, well, again, the same running backs are on the board, Derek Ward, Willie Parker, um, tight ends on the board, Greg Olson, pre the Cutler trade, so I really didn't know his value was going to be that high. Uh, and the wide receivers seem like the value was there. Santana Moss, Lavernius Coles, Hines Ward, Deshaun Jackson, those guys are still on the board, so I went with a safe play in Santana Moss. I figure at wide receiver 26 off the board, that's that's value because I think he's at least a wide receiver that's going to finish in the top 25. Um, he finished at wide receiver 18 last year, and I think he missed some time. So, you know, that's Washington, yeah. You know, he had 80 catches last year, a thousand yards, six touchdowns. That was wide receiver 18, and I'm getting him at wide receiver. 26. Yeah, he makes big okay, you know, I kind of wanted Antonio Bryant there. He went at wide receiver 24. Anthony Gonzalez went at wide receiver 25. So, you know, it was between Santana Moss and Lavernius Coles, but I already had a, a Bengal. I didn't want to yeah. didn't want to pair that up. Deshaun Jackson was intriguing, but you only saw one year out of him, and and you you saw you definitely saw talent, but um, you know, it's one of those things that uh, I think. He's not as a sexy pick as Deshaun Jackson would have been, but he's definitely a steady performer, and as a wide receiver three, you'll take it, you know. He's also the type of guy that you don't know when his big weeks are going to come, and sometimes, you you know, you might want to bench Santana Moss, but in this format, you're not going to miss his big blow-up games because he's, right. he'll be on your he'll be on your, your starting lineup. So, so guys, we've got, we've got um, two minutes remaining here, and I'm, and I'm on the clock. So we need a we need a running back. He's available. We need a running back. Laron um, right, McLean was just picked. Willis McGahee is out there. Ray Rice is out there. Uh, obviously Julius Jones is out there. Um, let me see. Let me see who else is out here. What's that, Mike? Ray Rice. Yeah, LaRon McClain was just picked. Um, Lendale White looks like he's still out there. Well, maybe not. <laughs> he wouldn't be a bad RB, too. Yeah, that wouldn't be bad. He got a lot of touchdowns last year. He'll probably be better this year. Lost some weight, too, I Yeah, and there's no telling if Chris Johnson's going to be the type of guy to uh, miss some time. Yeah. Yep. Um, let's see. We've got Leon Washington, Lendell White, Willis McGahey. That's a good pick, I think. Probably in the last year in Baltimore, probably the last year in his contract. Tim Hightower. Touchdown, Timmy. Touchdown, Timmy. Ernest Graham. Hey. hey Jamal you Charles. Cadillac gun? Uh, no, Jamal Charles is still there. Fred Taylor. Fred Taylor is still there. These are all guys. I mean, I can fill up a team with these guys, you know, so. Taylor get his this year, too, isn't that Darren Sproles is still there. Thank you, Warkins. Darren Sproles is still there. I go touchdown Timmy Hightower. 
You go Timmy Hightower, okay? Uh-huh. And, and this, I think you were leaning towards Lindell White? Uh, I'm thinking about that. He, he, I don't think you go wrong with him. Yep. Yeah, I don't think you go wrong with him. He's going to get a lot of touchdowns. Man, you didn't have close uh, on anything. You got in the close. He's going to push it in there. We got 10 seconds. We're going to go. Uh, we don't know. One. You've been listening to Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. With your hosts, Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Please join us next time. Uh, there's just no telling. Um, it, it's going to be tough. Uh, I don't know. Uh, you know, Warkin's in the chat room saying the pick is Zach Miller. <laughs> grab a grab wow. a tight end right here. Huh? Grab Zach Miller, huh? Who's throwing throwing to them issue? I guess same. No. Guy. Yeah. And this is a, this is a good thought though. All those running backs, you throw them up in a hat. They're all about the same. I can probably get him in nine picks from now. I pick again. Yeah. But I, it might be nice to. Get, what it, is it tight end? Be, what tight ends are out there? Uh, uh, Zach Miller. Winslow ain't right. No, he's gone. Gone. Uh, who's that New York Jet tight end? That one. Over he's there. gone. Keller's gone. Okay. Oh, uh, Shanko. Shanko would be a good. Shanko's out there. Yeah, I think I'd take Shanko. But he only had 42 catches. This is a two PPR league. Uh, two points per reception. Yeah. Uh, Zach Miller had 56 catches last year. That's pretty high. Yeah, Zach Miller's a nice little player. Oh, yeah, Zach Miller it is, but he ought to do better this year too. That's what, what about what about what about Shockey with fifty catches last year, you know? Nope. Nope, 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 nope. Oh, I don't know. Shockey's on the he's on a good team too. Well, he's on the New or New Orleans, eh? Yeah, yeah, I think I'd go I with Shockey. Take Shockey. There's no uh, way I would take Shockey. <laughs> I think he fits right I in that way. team. Yeah. Well, guys, I I don't know. I mean, I could get, I could grab my tight end here and get Zach Miller and feel pretty good about that, and then come back and get one of those uh, running backs that we just all kind of threw up in the air. Would Zach I, Miller be available? Uh, no, no, he'll be gone. Out? No, he'll be gone probably next pick or two. Yeah. Okay, so so who's next on your tight end list? 